podcast that brings you one guest, one question, one answer. Business insights in minutes, not hours. With your host, the small business and franchise expert, Gary Okio Grosso. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Okigrosso. I am the founder and managing partner of Franchise Growth Solutions. And for those of you who'd like to know more about that, you can go to frangrow.com. I'm also the publisher of franchisemoneymaker.com. And for those of you who are new to the program, Mastermind Minutes is a very simple concept. We have one guest, one question, typically one answer. Uh, Yes, it's a dialogue and yes, it's done in minutes. And we realize that at times, as we say, that's that's a bit of a tease. So at the end of the program, uh, we will give you our guests contact information uh, if you're interested in knowing more about uh, the company that they represent and uh, perhaps want to contact them directly. And today, my guest is Dominique Main, who is the business development director for a company called Epcon Communities Franchising. And uh, Dominique uh, began working with Epcon Franchising in 2017, and her skills uh, are in business development, client consultation, and marketing. And she's been instrumental in the growth uh, of the system over the recent years for the company. She'll tell us all about that in a minute. Prior to joining Epcon, she owned and operated four successful businesses in the home services and construction sector. Uh, Later, as Director of Franchising for Olson & Associates, uh, Dominique served in a consulting capacity for brands such as Arby's, uh, Franchise Services, First Light Home Care, and Pizza Factory. Uh, She has a very deep understanding of the systems and support needs of small business owners uh, and um, her role of recruiting and evaluating candidates uh, are beneficial from Epcon uh, franchising's unique opportunities that they offer. So, uh, Dominique, first of all, thank you for being with us today. And uh, before we get into the question, why don't you tell us a little bit about a little bit more about your background? Because I've kind of edited that. There was a lot in there, and I know you've got a, a very deep background in franchising, and and then also a little bit about the company, about Epcon uh, Communities Franchising, and then we'll get into the question. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. My background in franchising happened on accident. So I actually married into a family of home builders 20 years ago. And then about five years into that, I ended up working for a franchise. And at that time, franchising was not on my radar at all. I had pursued business in various aspects and had some sales background. Uh, but franchising was not really something I thought about as, as I think many people do. Like we frequent franchise businesses, right? But we just don't think about it from that back end perspective. So I ended up in a front end position in a women's wellness company. It was a spa and nutrition concept called Healthy Inspirations that I was working as a consultant, front end consultant with customers. And so as that time went by, I was promoted to management in that company and our our president, who was a franchisee of this concept, bought out the franchisor, right? Like he, he took on that immense learning curve that is becoming a franchisor, but he got thrown in the deep end, right? Because we had 30 locations that we were overseeing in various stages of satisfaction and success in their concept. So not knowing what we didn't know about that, 
I was promoted to VP of operations overseeing those franchises. Our president had a portfolio of businesses he was overseeing and this concept was my, my baby, right? So in that time, I fell in love with franchising, the concept, and I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do from that operations standpoint. And after about six years with that company, I decided to go back to school. I married young, right? I was 19, so I had not gone to college and I decided to go back and get my degree in business management and then come back to franchising. And while I was in school uh, with getting that degree, I had two babies <laughs> and my uh, one of our old consultants in franchising approached me and he said, I want to go out uh, he was the president of Franchise Update Media Group at that time, and he wanted to semi-retire and become a consultant in franchising or expand what he was doing in that. And he asked me to be his millennial, right, and do sort of the marketing and front-end lead nurturing and things like that for his company. So I said yes, and while I was going to school and, and having babies, I was working from home doing that with him. Steve Olson, he's the author of, of Grow to Greatness. Um, so since then, Steve Olson has retired I, but we together, we worked with many clients, everybody from Arby's down to little bitty startups uh, in that work. So that was very helpful for me and really gave me a deeper education on franchising because it becomes pretty readily apparent when you work with that many different concepts. And Gary, I, I'm sure you have so much firsthand knowledge on this, but like, what are the commonalities between companies that are succeeding? And what happens with those that are, are struggle, right? What are the what are the common perceptions and challenges that they face? Yep. So that was a good experience uh, for me in my education. On and you know, it's it's interesting your story. Um, you know, we all have our own individual backgrounds, but the one one of the common threads that I've learned, and I've been doing this since like dinosaurs ruled the world, so it's been a long time. But one of the common threads with the exception of one person that I know who actually grew up in the business because his parents own uh, a major PR firm uh, in, the, in the franchising world. Um, most of us just sort of, I don't know, it unfolds in front of us uh, how we got involved in franchising. I, uh, I don't know if I mentioned to you, I started out as a, well, I started out in the radio business, but then my first so, foray, so to speak, was... Uh, I was a franchisee of Dunkin' Donuts. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, you know, in 1983, when I opened up my Dunkin' Donuts shop in New York, I thought, okay, this is what I'm gonna be doing like the rest of my life. Um, but, you know, five years later, I was a consultant. I was out of the, the Dunkin' business and I was, I was a consultant in the franchising business and it just sort of unfolded. And if you had asked me just five years earlier, you know, would I be involved in the franchising business? I was, I don't even know what that is. Uh, other than, you know, I know I go into a McDonald's, you know, and I know that's a franchise. So, so that's, that's pretty common. And then, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, and I, I, I think you're spot on is that success in the franchising industry, uh, there's a common thread um, whether it's Arby's or, I don't know, um, a home services business, you know, whatever the product is, I, I don't want to downplay the product, but I tell my clients all the time, the product is one piece of your company, of your franchising company. It is not the company. Uh, the company is the business model, the consumer-facing uh, aspects of it, what you do, what your mission is. And you're right, the common 
there, there is a common thread in successful companies. There's also a common thread in unsuccessful companies, uh, but I'd rather just, you know, keep it positive. And, and kind of with that, you know, as, as sort of the, the setup, if you will, to the, you know, to the, to the question, you know, every brand has its own unique way of doing things in terms of how do we recruit franchisees? How do we make our brand, uh, you know, more visible to potential franchisees who are maybe on a higher level because we want to constantly upgrade the team? Um, what are the things that, you know, that we do as franchisors to better prepare our franchisees to operate the business? How do we help them make money? How do we help them create legacy? In my world, it's all about what you do for the franchisee will come back tenfold. Um, but people have different methods. So I'm, our question today, um, I'm curious, you know, what, what are the things that you've done, the methods, the processes, you know, your approach, uh, your culture, your point of view, what did you do at, uh, you know, how did Epcon supercharge its franchise recruiting program and, uh, what have the results been, um, you know, as a result of those, uh, those moves? Excellent. Yes. So I think one phrase that sums up everything that you were just saying, Gary, is you have to give to get, right? And I think that since franchising is such an incredible tool to leverage a concept, to create efficiencies, to really harness the power of, of we, you know, of us, that giving to the consumer first and developing that incredible concept that you're feeling a need better than anyone else, then taking it to the next level with your internal support team that you're creating employment opportunities that not just anybody, but the best in their class would wanna be involved in. So that when you reach out to those entrepreneurs, those potential franchisees, they wanna be a part of that and they recognize that as as people that they want to do business with. So it's that generosity, that belief in if I am, am generous and I give the best of who I am to the potential franchisees, they're going to want to do business with me mm -hmm. is really the, the mindset that I've seen in the successful franchises that I've worked with. And when I initially started working with Epcon communities four years ago, that's the mindset that I brought. And I initially started working with Epcon communities as a consultant. And then they brought me on as an employee. And the reason that I made that choice to go from being, being an influence, being a voice to them, to actually fully buying into their team was we had a, a like mindset on that. So to answer your question, what is it that has supercharged our growth? It's, it's that mindset it, from my perspective. And, and it's interesting. I, I was on, I was on a call just prior to this, this podcast with a potential new client who we were talking about, you know, the vetting process and bringing franchisees on board. And, you know, he obviously was very curious, how do you do this? And, you know, and, and, and to me, and to your point, it starts with culture. It starts with, what, what is the mission of the company? And if, if the franchisor, when we, when we do franchise development, we spend a lot of time with franchisors understanding their mission statement, which unfortunately many of them actually describe their brand position as their mission statement. So we kind of 
first have to unravel that. But if a company doesn't have or understand its mission statement, and it's a franchise company, then it really doesn't know what to look for in a potential franchisee. Um, you know, what it may get sidetracked looking for is, does this person have experience, let's say if it's a restaurant company, in running a restaurant? Does this person have the right amount of money? Uh, does this person want to be in a territory that's available? And yes, those things are important, but they are far less important uh, than who is this person? And what is their belief system, so to speak? And what do they want to accomplish by becoming a franchisee of our brand? And will they be a cultural fit? And it's a, it is a, it is a tightrope that franchisors walk, um, A, because they want, to, they want to expand their business and bring in franchisees, but they want to bring the right people in. And then the, you know, the, the, the secondary piece to that is, you know, the franchisees can't be too entrepreneurial. You know, if we get into a nuts and bolts scenario beyond culture, yes, you want someone who's entrepreneurial minded, but a good franchisee is someone who follows the system and doesn't try to reinvent the wheel. So there's a lot of moving parts in bringing the right franchisee on board and awarding the franchise to the right person. So can you talk a little bit about what Epcon Communities looks at and what you, you know, what is your process to kind of vet that out? Because I happen to think, and it sounds like you think, that's a key component to bringing the right people in and building the brand. Yes, absolutely, Gary. That is something that we have learned a lot about in the past five years. So from 2015 to 2019, Epcon was selling on average two to four franchises per year. Last year, we sold 23. This year, we are at 21 right now on track to hit 23, 24 franchises this year. So a big piece of that was finding the right people. And this concept, our, our average price point in our corporate operations last year was over $500,000 per home, right, that we are selling. So you think about that in terms of, of, of a multiplier we're looking for somebody who needs to have a very big vision, not somebody who's going to be satisfied with a business that produces a, a lower number, right? That you might expect from a restaurant or a service-based business. We need somebody who has a massive vision. And usually what's behind that massive vision is a desire for significance personally, but also a desire to contribute significantly. So they want to create opportunities for the, high quality people they work with. They want to give back to their community. They want to build a family legacy that generations of their kids and grandkids are gonna benefit from. It has to be a, a really big dream. Okay, well, and, and yeah, I think, yeah, if you don't have a dream, you know, all you really have is a wish. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, you have to execute on your dream or it's just a wish, but you, you, you threw out some numbers there that you know, my radar went up and you said, you know, the company was typically awarding two or three franchises a year. And last year you did 23. This year, I hope, by the way, you do 24 um, just to beat the number. Uh, but, you know, give the audience, give us, give us some, without revealing any trade secrets, so to speak, but give us some nuts and bolts. You know, it's not like you doubled and you started selling five um, you know, you increased by, you know, hundred percent or more than hundred percent. What do I say? A thousand percent. What, what is it specifically that you did? Was it, Hey, we spent more money generating leads. 
We did a PR campaign and that brought us more people. Um, we, rec we, in we enlisted the validation or an aggressive validation from our franchisees. What, what are kind of the nuts and bolts? Because the question is, how did you supercharge it? It was actually very simple, Gary. It was just about the infrastructure and the, the people, the development team being fine-tuned. So on the infrastructure side, we had a franchise agreement that wasn't really perceived as equitable by the buyer. So we went back to the drawing board and corrected that, right? Negotiated it with the founders, put a, a deal in place that people saw as being equitable and fair and, and powerful for their business future. And then on the business development team side, the past perspective had been that they wanted people in, in sales, in franchise development who knew home building and understood home building. But as you know, that's not really what works in this role. They needed somebody, they needed people, right? I have a counterpart in the North United States. They needed a team who understood business development, that understood how to connect with those dreams of the potential buyer and show them how this concept fills that in a way they never dreamed could be possible. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's interesting you say that because finding the right fit, you know, sometimes we can be misled uh, as to who, who's really our franchisee. I, um, a couple of years ago, I guess it was maybe it was 2020, which was the last actual live IFA event. Um, it was down in Orlando, if I remember. Um, I was attending one of the sessions and the, the moderator was talking about, and I believe he had sort of uh, one of these adult care centers. And when they were initially franchising, they were going after people like nurses and you know that sort of stuff thinking, oh, those people would be perfect to, to kind of run our business. And what he learned after several years was those people would be perfect employees for a franchisee, but they wouldn't be the perfect franchisee. And I think he went on to say like his perfect franchisee was in that particular business was the pharmaceutical rep because they realized that a lot of their business was coming from doctors and referrals from medical practitioners and who better to like deal with those people than the, you know, I, he described it, you know, the, the pharmaceutical rep who eats glass for breakfast and knows how to, you know, get that kind of business. And as soon as they shifted to who's our, who, what's the right persona? for our franchisee, you know, he, I don't remember his numbers, but it was similar. Like he went from two to 20 in a year because he was going after the right people. So with that shift, and, and I understand the shift in the franchise agreement also, you know, franchise agreements, they need to protect the franchisor. I'm all about that. You need to be able to remedy uh, franchisees who are outside of brand compliance. Because as a former franchisor myself, um, I would often tell franchisees, I have, I have two, two main roles as either the founder or the president or CEO of a, of a franchise company. One is to increase the value of the trademark because that increases your value. And the second is to protect my good franchisees from my not so good franchisees. And yes, that's why franchise agreements are tight, but can you share with us just in a few minutes, like what were some of the things that you were getting pushback on that you changed and and like all of a sudden the gates opened. Just one or two, if you could describe that. Yes. 
Yeah, Gary, so the biggest objection there is the way that our royalty was structured. We actually lowered the percentage of royalty that we charged based on some competitive research and understanding our concept better in terms of what it looked like to the franchisee. Then we also had an initial, we had had a minimum royalty that started right away or early on in the franchise agreement that we decided, you know, we're not going to do that, right? We're going to get, we're going to get paid when these people get paid. We're going to make it to where we have skin in the game and they know that we're with them and have full faith and confidence that when they're successful, we're going to be successful too. Right. Right. And, and that makes, that makes perfectly good sense to me because what, what it really creates in the mind's eye of the franchisee is a true partnership. And look at the end of the day from a, from a cash flow and profitability point of view, the fact that you're not adding two or three new units a year, you're adding 20 new units a year, <laughs> definitely benefits the franchisor. So while on the surface, it might seem, well, you know, you discounted and you did all of this, that, and the other thing, eh, you could call it what you want, but at the end of the day, you know, at the end of this year, based on last year and this year, you'll have 50, close to 50 new possible, you know, openings or units versus, you know, prior where you might've only had eight or 10 for in a two year period. So that to me right. is tremendous. You know, what's, what's kind of the last thing you'd like to leave us with in terms of, you know, what people who want to franchise a business either as a franchisor or a franchisee, or if they're in the development sector of a franchise company, you know, what are, what's kind of the top one or two things that, that they should be thinking about? So franchising is a marriage of operations and sales, right? So I can't do what I do without a strong, passionate operations team in place who won't go to bed at night until they know they've done everything they can to help those franchisees be successful. So I think from any perspective, that's valuable because knowing that you have that team in place that's really for you and passionate about your success, regardless of whether you're in development or becoming a franchise or becoming a franchisee is, is pretty critical. Yeah, I think that's, uh, again, you know, spot on. I, I think that's that's great advice. If someone wants to <clears throat> get in touch with you or get in touch with Epcon, like what's the best way? And as I as I always mention, we, we will put that link or whatever you want on the bottom of the, uh, the, the text in the podcast, but just what's the best way for someone to learn more about the company? Our website at epconfranchising.com is an excellent way to connect with our concept, our company, and our team. Great. So that's simple. Epconfranchising.com. Can't get any simpler yes. than that. Well, Dominique, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been insightful. I, 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 you know, I play around a lot in the restaurant business. So when I'm, when I'm talking with someone who's not necessarily in that business, I learn as much as, as the audience learns. Um, so thank you very much for being with us today. Truly appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. All righty. We'll see you next time on uh, FranchiseMoneyMaker.com uh, and uh, here at uh, Mastermind Minutes. So for those of you who um, follow us, please uh, tune into Social Geek Radio and also feel free to connect with uh, me on my LinkedIn page. Have a great day.